I'm so vocal about my bisexuality and and doing so and talking to other people, number one, it validates me. And it was very important when I first came out as bi to hear all these other people come out as bi. I thought no one else was You're bi. Like, I thought I was the only bi guy in the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then all of a sudden I'm talking about it and everyone else starts talking about it. So it's very validating for me. So not only is it helpful for yourself, but also, yeah, you're kind of doing a mitzvah. You're allowing this person who doesn't usually feel comfortable to discuss their bisexuality to do so with you. Mm. And, and that's kind of a blessing. You're doing a nice thing for them as well. Yeah. Hello, beautiful humans. Welcome to another episode of Girls Gone Deep. This is V here. We are so freaking excited about the guests that we have on this episode. We cannot wait to get to the interview. But before that, we just have a little bit of housekeeping. First of all, as always, we love when you join the conversation, so you can always email us at girlsgonedeep at gmail.com, and best place to follow us is on Instagram at girlsgonedeeppod. Thank you to our sponsor, Horrible Life, which is the card game of Never Have I Ever, All Things Sex and Kink. Go to HorribleLife.com and use code GONDEEP for 10% off your first deck. Seriously, you will not regret it. Secondly, we invite you to use our affiliate link to shop Woo More Play for all of your lubes, your sexy wipes, your pH balancing soaps. We highly recommend it. It is what we use. And we are just looking for ways to monetize this to make this a sustainable endeavor for us because we want to bring more episodes to you and more awesome guests like the one I'm about to tell you about. So, who we have on today is Zachary Zane. Zachary Zane is a Brooklyn-based columnist, sex expert, and activist whose work focuses on sexuality, culture, and the LGBTQ community. He is the author of Boy Slut, a memoir and manifesto, and V's new favorite book, (laughs) and co-author of Men's Health, Best Sex Ever. He writes Sexplain It, the sex and relationship advice column at Men's Health, and Navigating Non-Monogamy, the polyamorous relationship column at Cosmopolitan. He is editor-in-chief of the Boy Slut Zine, which publishes nonfiction erotica from kinksters across the globe. His work has been featured in New York Times, Rolling Stone, Washington Post, Playboy, and more. And cannot say it enough, his book, Boy Slut, is just fucking awesome. I actually gifted it to a couple of my friends for Christmas, and it is a resounding obsession. So without further ado, here is that interview. This is not our real names. We <laughs> gotcha. Um, actually, a major, major thing that I love that you said is that the reason why you got into your line of work is because you didn't want to separate like yourself and your identity and your quote unquote real life from work. You didn't want to have to lie about what you did on the weekends. And I was like, yes, that oh, resonates. It resonates so hard. Yeah. It, and even having this podcast, it's like this whole other life that some of my friends and family don't even know I have. <laughs> yeah, that's wild. And it's a huge part of our life. It's almost, I don't want to compare it to like being like coming out kind of episodes but it kind of is like for gay people who who have a hard time coming out or lesbians coming out or whatever your orientation is it's like you can't come out you feel closeted and that's kind of how I feel a little bit is a little closeted with this whole lifestyle stuff yeah that's pretty common like I hear that with a lot of people who are you know in sex positive lifestyle or like I'm part of like a swinger communities as well, which is a little bit tends to skew a little bit older, right? So it's people in their 40s, 50s, 60s. 
and how they really are. It's like a complete double life where it's like, you know, their kids don't know what they're up to or like whatever it is. Their parent that like they just say they're going to vacation at Sandals when they're actually going to Hedonism, which yeah. is the huge, you know, sex resort in Jamaica. <laughs> but like Sandals is the one right next to it. And it's this ongoing joke. But how they kind of go back and forth and being able to actually then like live freely and express themselves when they're in these spaces. Well, Elle, is that what you say? Because so we're big Hedo fans. And Elle oh, has no, been what, six times? Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm at seven now. Yeah. Seven. <laughs> so I went for my first time this last year and it was life-changing. And I'm fortunate enough that I am out to everyone in my life. And so I'll send my mom pictures of like me and my partner Jay, like in our theme outfit of the night, as long as it's like not too revealing. But of course, yeah. Yeah. But she's like, oh, good for you, honey. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. Yeah. Um, so I'm really excited to have you on today's podcast because I just, you have lived such an interesting life. You have so much experience with different um, people and sexual experiences between your bisexuality and non-monogamy and polyamory experiences. And so one thing I really love about the audience that tailors to you or who your audience is, I should say, is people who are ad more advanced or have been in the lifestyle for longer. Is that correct? Yeah, that's what I'm moving towards. And there's kind of a, it's tough. It's tough with this, but like, um, because especially like mainstream publications, they're trying to get as many clicks as possible. And what gets as many clicks as possible is the most introductory, how to open up your relationship, how to navigate jealousy, SEO pieces, which stand for search engine optimization. So it's like, you know, when you Google what are anal beads, you know, every publication wants to come up first and has a piece about that. So it's actually very challenging to write 301 pieces or niche pieces or more advanced pieces just because the audience is so much smaller and because, you know, these sites make money via traffic. So I have to like advocate tirelessly being like, hey, this is not actually as niche as you think it is. Also, you're going to be the only one really doing this type of advanced content and different contents. You're actually not competing with every other site known to mankind. But this is a constant struggle I have with every single publication I write for. Yeah. And you even say in the book, you know, you are technically perhaps pansexual because you love all people, but you identify as bisexual because, first of all, that was the vocabulary that was around when you were coming out as bisexual. And then also it's going to get more clicks, Yeah, right? No, I spoke about that too. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, 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 that, that was the reasons where it's like, I write for men's health. You know what I mean? I have the sex and relationship advice column there. And the guys who go to men's health are not clicking on out.com or pride.com. They don't feel comfortable doing that. But these closeted men do go to men's health. They see something. They would click on it. These men don't even know what the word pansexual is. So if they were to Google, they can't eat like, so if I use the word pansexual and they Googled like, am I bisexual, it, it would not show up, right? So like, I have to like, I'm actually trying to reach as great of an audience as possible I'm also trying to reach a demographic that's usually not reached. You know, like we're not we're not thinking about, you know, 50-year-old closeted men most of the time when we're advocating for LGBTQ rights. We're not. Right. So I'm touching a new demographic. And so we have to approach this a little bit differently than we do because we often think about, you know, the 16-year-old kids who are coming out and how to help them and how to help the younger generation. But I'm like, these 30, 40, 50 year old men, they're not dead. They got 50 years left. You know what I mean? Like, and they still deserve to have a great life too. And they're closeted. And often when you're closeted, you treat your wives like shit. You know what I mean? So this isn't just affecting men. It's affecting the people they love. It's affecting women. It's affecting everyone. So yeah, I am approaching this differently than uh, someone who's on TikTok trying to help, you know, 16-year-old kids come out. Yeah. So on the topic of pansexuality, can you can you define what it means to you? What is pansexuality for, for your definition? And then what is it also for bisexuality? Uh, sure. So actually, in my book, I have a glossary and I go over this because it really is very complicated. And, and, you know, and it's one of those things where it's just like, you know, bi and pan people can't even decide on the definition. And now we're expecting, you know, straight people understand when we're actually changing the definition back and forth here. But um, often what it was, and this is kind of what I gathered in doing research and talking to people. So we had the word bisexual for a long period of time. And really what it was, was an attraction to you know, both sexes, this idea of, you know, males and females, so biological sex. 
And that way you could make the argument that it was not inclusive of intersex people. Clearly, that was not the intent. But, you know, trans people, transgender people still have a sex. You know what I mean? They still have a biological sex. In fact, their gender does not align with their sex. But what happened was people, as we started to focus more on gender as opposed to biological sex, people started to make the argument that bisexuality means two. It perpetuates a gender stereotype. And we're only talking about cisgender men or cisgender women. And I'm like, that that's absurd. Like so clearly that was not the intent in the word mm. bisexual. And if you want like if you want to make the argument that it was like, yeah, again, it's for males and females, still trans people are males and females. You know what I mean? It, but the only argument that's somewhat valid is that it's not inclusive of intersex, arguably. But again, this was clearly not the intent. But anyway, pansexuality was kind of birthed out of this confusion, out of this idea that bisexuality perpetuates this binary. It's not inclusive of trans and non-binary people. Then bi people were like, the fuck? No, like, like this is absurd and we don't we don't need this. And so it started to push back. And especially me, like especially the decade ago or when I came out, it was almost about 10 years ago now. People would be like, oh, bisexuality is trans folk. Oh, wow, yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, like, like it was absurd. And this idea, there, there are two faulty claims in there. Number one, it's this idea that I'm not necessarily att- attracted to trans people, which I am. But number two, I actually don't think not being attracted to a trans person makes you transphobic. I think <laughs> don't be a dick about it. Don't be an asshole about it. Don't write people off. Don't say transphobic things. But if it's not something that's for you, that's okay. You're allowed to have your preferences. Just don't be a dick. So anyway, bisexuals push back. And now what's now they kind of have changed the definition. Um, oh, sorry. So then pansexuality was an attraction to all genders. Sorry. this is I know a lot here, but I'm trying to <laughs> bulldoze through as quickly as I can. We love this. So then what happened was... We reached a point where it's like, okay, we're going to change the definition. So but pansexual means you're attracted to people like regardless of gender. And then bisexual is you're attracted to people like because of gender. And they often say you're attracted to two or more genders. So that can mean all genders or two or more. But the idea is someone who is pan doesn't is not necessarily attracted to masculinity or femininity. They're more attracted to, you know, the person inside. And it's not that they find that hot. Versus me, I find masculinity hot. I find femininity hot. I find androgyny hot. I'm attracted to all of it. It's not my lack Mm. of attraction. That's why I like people. It's because I'm actually attracted to everything. But again, these are like a lot of nuances and a lot of confusion that we have within us. And like uh, one thing that I advocate for my book and in real life, I'm like, no matter if you identify as bi or pan or fluid or ambisexual, polysexual. I've heard a, a gajillion different terms. It's like there should not be infighting. And that's what I find ridiculous when bi people are at pan's people's throat. Pan people are at bi people's throat. I'm like, are you guys fucking serious? Like, like <laughs> where we're so clearly on the same team here. Yeah. We experience discrimination from gay people, from straight people. Like, like we need all the support and community we can get. And we're uh, turning attacking on each, each other. other. Like, yeah. are you serious? This is fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> As if there isn't enough shame to go around in the world. We need to <laughs> do it shame to each other. Each too. other. Yeah. So can we backtrack a little bit and just talk about how you got to be where you are and how you came to be this out and proud person? Wait, what did New York Times or something say about you? The bisexual... You know what I'm talking about. Influencer, uh, bisexual mega influencer. That was in the New York Times. I think it was the New York... Not the New York Post... I'm going to find it in here. I'll I'll tell you what they said. (laughs) I don't remember who it was. Uh, New York Mag, New York Post, but I think a bisexual mega influencer, which I thought was one of the funniest uh, labels for me. So how did you come to be that? (laughs) Um, It it was a little bit of a journey. So I studied psych and neuroscience in school. I thought I was getting a PhD in clinical psychology. I worked at Harvard Medical Center as a smoking cessation researcher and counselor. So figuring out the best way to get people to quit smoking cigarettes. This was after college. So you apply to PhD programs, had a panic attack. I was like, for this seemingly altruistic profession, they are cutthroat, they are nasty, they steal your work. Then it's six years of a PhD, three years of postdoc, and then you write grants until you fucking die. And I'm like, this sounds terrible. Um, I also felt at the same time, I was somewhat like, living this double life. You know what I mean? Because I was like not necessarily out at work. Um, yes, people knew that I was out, my friends and family. 
But but I hated having to kind of repeatedly come out or to hide parts of myself. A thing about me is I'm a very bad liar. Like, and I kind of almost affects so much where I can't like, I'm like actually very bad at hiding who I am. I'm very bad at being closet. Like, even if I wanted to be, I don't think I could be. Like, my anxiety is too much. So part of it was also wanting a career where, like, I didn't have to hide, where my career is my sexuality. Everyone knows my sexuality. I can be open about having sex. I can be open about being polyamorous. I can be open about all of these factors because I didn't want to live this double life. It was just too stressful for me. But anyway, I kind of got into writing where I started to write a little bit at work because I was bored. I ended up writing this piece for Exo Jane, which is now this defunct publication, but I wrote a piece for them and they titled it, I came out as bi and now can't date anyone gay or straight. (laughs) And I spoke about how I came out as bi and I thought the world was going to be my oyster and how challenging it was, you know, to come out as bi and finally embrace who I was. And I thought like gay men would date me and straight women would date me. Straight woman would not date me. Uh, they were so afraid I was using the label as a stepping stone on the way to being full-blown gay. They would ghost me. They had no desire to sleep with me, date me, anything. And then gay men were just very condescending. They were like, oh, my God, honey, I was bi too. You'll get there. And it's like, meaning like I, I will eventually come out as gay. And I'm like, fuck you. That's really rude and like just like uh, infantilizing. And imagine if I said that about you being like, oh, honey, you think you're gay? You're actually just straight. Mm. We'd be like that. That is rampant homophobia. Mm-hmm. That that is what actually a lot of you know conservative families do when their child comes out as gay. Oh no, you're confused. You're actually just straight. You're actually saying that to me so casually. When if someone had said this to you, you'd be freaking out and calling homophobia immediately. And yet they don't see the reverse side. The irony. Yeah, the reverse side yeah they don't see it whatsoever. Um, so I ended up falling in love with this bi woman, and I just felt so embraced. I felt so loved. I felt I could be all of myself. I wasn't insecure about being too effeminate. We could talk about guys we found hot together, about girls we found hot together, whatever it was. And I just felt so loved and embraced. So I write this story. It goes like extremely viral. I think for the reason was this piece came out in 2015. At the time, there was such a dearth of bisexual visibility. You know, like the articles that were out were like, 10 things to never say to a bisexual person or like 10 myths about bisexuality. But there was very little content for bi people wanting to discover and explain their bisexuality. It was all content like geared to gay and straight people convincing them that we're real. So there wasn't anything about like how to deal with internalized biphobia, how to date while bisexual, all the challenges that come with it. Should you list that you're bisexual on a dating app? Should I claim the bisexual label even though I'm monogamous and married and I've never been with a man? Whatever it is, no one was talking about it. And I kind of became one of the first to talk about it. Of course, there were people before me. I want to give credit to bisexual activists, but kind of in this you know tech internet era, I became one of the biggest well-known like quote-unquote bi guys. And I kind of didn't expect this to be my career. I thought I was going to be writing novels. I did not think I was going to be writing nonfiction. That's why I wrote my first piece. I was like, all right, I, wrote, I actually wrote an entire novel. And I was like, all right, I'm trying to get an agent. I have to write some other shit. And then this kind of took off in a very unexpected way. And now, eight years later, I'm finally writing uh, fiction again, which, <laughs> which is my next journey. But it took me... Uh, and, and again, like, you know, it's starring bisexual elites, you know, it's starring a male bisexual. It's not like I'm going into like World War II history <laughs> or something like, like it, it's not like it's still very much. It's going to be about, you know, polyamory and bisexuality. It's just going to be fictionalized. But it's so funny. I had this, yeah, this eight year detour and now finally back. But also very have a very clear idea of the type of fiction I want to write now, which is fun. well. I think that's so interesting that you talk about you know you were one of the first people to really go viral and be kind of an activist for the bisexual community. And I find that a lot of people in the ENM community that we have met, a lot of the men that we have met, um, it is a little bit quieter. It's on the quieter side to be bisexual and come out as bisexual. And so why do you think it's so important to have bisexual visibility or audibility, which is what I've heard you talk about as well? And can you explain what that means? Sure. So I kind of talk about in my book how bisexual visibility is sort of this like misnomer because you can't really be visibly bisexual unless you have, you know, a man on one arm and a woman on the other arm and you're all making out simultaneously. (laughs) 
it's bisexual. But, you know, when I wear, you know, a mesh crop top, I'm assumed to be gay. Um, it's And for a long time, like, bisexuals didn't even have stereotypes. Now we know, like, you know, if a woman has a septum ring and green hair and cuffs her jeans, okay, she's probably bi. <laughs> you know, like, but like, but like, that didn't exist. So it's almost like we can't even embrace a stereotype to kind of flag that we're bisexual. You know, a lot of gay men like dressing gay because it's affirming for their identity. It also lets other people know that they are gay. They want to be known as gay. So yes, it is a form of self-expression, absolutely, but you also feel part of this community through the way that you dress. Um, bisexuals didn't have that option, right? So like, you can't really be visibly bisexual, which is why I advocate for bisexual audibility, which in short is just being loud and obnoxious as possible about saying that you are bisexual. <laughs> you actually have to I say, am I am a bisexual woman. <laughs> yes, yes. You have to actually say the words because the words still have this stigma that still has this negative connotation. There's still this fear associated with it. And it's been shocking how when I say I am bisexual to random strangers, I mean, whatever it is, how all of a the sudden they will like bear their soul to me because they haven't been able to talk about this with anyone else. And they might not feel as comfortable using the word bisexual, but they'll be like, oh, yeah, I- I've dated a lot of men. I'm like, OK, and you're here with a woman, like, you know, like whatever it is. It's so clear. So they maybe have an aversion to the label, but they. Like it shows they really have no one to talk to about this, but it's really like the best way for us to be quote unquote visible is for us to be audible and actually use the word since visibility is particularly challenging as a bi person. This is something that I see in the lifestyle with a lot of males that I've been doing quiet research at different parties and events and with our group of friends to say, hey, are you interested in bi male play? How do you feel about that? And I'm finding the more and more men that I ask in a private setting when it's just us two, they'll open up and say, yeah, but I only do it behind closed doors. I don't do it in group settings. And it's been kind of fun to have this kind of like little secrecy behind the scenes and knowing like, ooh, let's get away because we can do this in private. But then I find, as I was having a discussion with one of my guy friends this weekend, we had asked him to be on the podcast to talk about his bi-male play. And he goes, I don't want to call it bi-male play. And he goes, I don't want to be pinned for that. He said, if I come on as a- Pigeonholed. Yeah, like people are going to think that then I'm bisexual, but I'm not. He says, I like to play with other men as a kink. So he prefers the term heteroflexible, which makes more sense. It's a- it's in the moment, it's time, place, situation, energy that you are turned on and you're heteroflexible. And in that moment, you're comfortable to suck a dick, but that doesn't mean that you would romantically go have a relationship with another guy, or maybe that they look at other men in a romantic way, like, wow, he's attractive. I want to date him. I could, I could spend time with him in that romantic way. So it was so interesting to see that bisexuality in all communities has this kind of issue with coming out. And then I still see it in our sexual community too, here in the lifestyle. It's so funny. You know, I was at hedonism specifically for a bi takeover and it went, and I got to talk to a lot of people about, you know, how oftentimes like women are bi or at least performatively bi. They're down to hook up with other women. But the moment a guy does. And like this idea that, you know, you traveled across the country you're part of this sex positive community where you're supposed to be able to be all of yourself. And this is the place you can be all of yourself and you're still hiding mm, mm-hmm. this element, but there's still male biphobia. Yeah. You know, even within the lifestyle community. That's why this bi takeover was so special. Uh, and there are other bi events as well that I'm learning more and more of that, like, again, like have bi men more open about it, but they are few and farther between. There's still a lot of stigma, even within sex positive communities, which is absurd, but a reality. Well, I think that has to do with how we see masculinity. And even, you know, when a straight man wants to try butt stuff, right, it can be seen as not attractive to their female partner. They don't want to see them in that submissive role. It doesn't fit into what they think of as masculine. I guess that's visibility. Like, like the more taboo it is and the more I don't see it, the the less I can be comfortable with it and know about it. Yeah. And the more you do it, the more you just become accustomed yes. to it. You know what I mean? Like, but I, I think there's a lot at play here. I mean, obviously, I think what you touched on is 100% accurate. Like, definitely elements of we don't like seeing men in submissive positions. I like seeing my boyfriend as a man. I like him being dominant. So seeing him submissive is something that doesn't turn me on. 
And they're just elements of latent homophobia that go along with it. You know what I mean? And also there's still this negative or not negative, but incorrect assumption that if you like anal play, you must secretly be gay. So then all of a sudden you're picking up some insecurities that women have being like, shit, is my boyfriend gay? Does it secretly want to get dick down? He doesn't love me. So if you're not secure in your relationship or secure in yourself, you can easily spiral down this path of shit. I think my boyfriend's gay. So there's a lot of kind of barriers to entry. And again, a lot of negative assumptions from women, from other men, from societies at large in the media about what it means if you're someone who likes anal play as a man when it doesn't mean anything. It means ab- it just means you like anal play because it feels fucking yeah. good. Yeah. That's yeah. It. Like-, <laughs> like, like we don't actually need to we don't need to overanalyze this. And of course, they're fun psychological factors. And a lot of women initially don't think they want to peg their boyfriend or finger their boyfriend. Then they do it. They're like, I actually like being powerful. Yeah. Well, I actually like being in the dominant yeah. position. All of a sudden, they love it. Yeah. Too. And it's so funny. Like, I, I purposely moved to you know, New York. I live in Brooklyn. And it's like, I have now found a community of women who are so turned on by my bisexuality versus, you know, everyone I used to date was so repelled or disgusted or at the best afraid of it. And now to find women that specifically get turned on by it it, it is such an incredible feeling. But like (laughs) I this didn't happen by accident. Like like this happened because I like created this community. I became part of this community. I actively sought it out. It didn't just fall into my lap. I'm thinking of our friends. Like our friends were like, he he can come to our party. That sounds awesome to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like we'll invite him. I'm one of those women that is turned on by male male play, whatever it may be, because I guess it's interesting to kind of see how I've evolved to enjoy this because at first when my partner and I were talking about it, I was uncomfortable with the idea of him playing with another dick. And and he basically said to me, like, he's like, I have a dick. I know how to make it feel great. Like, I want to play with another one. And at first, I would, I could feel my body just tighten up and go, oh, my gosh, I'm so uncomfortable with this. I don't know what this means. And then I had those same exact thoughts of, oh, my God, is he going to be gay? Is this, is this the stepping stone towards that pathway? And then as we started to explore with it more and we started to communicate more about what he enjoyed about it, I started to find it hot. Like I fantasize about it. And now it has led me to now enjoy being in that dominant pegging position or, you know, taking that power mode or playing doom butt stuff with him. So it's been interesting to see how my fear became my kick <laughs> through all of this. That's it. Yeah. Uh, well, what about the, the, you know, you talk about bisexuality and how 10 years ago it was so different and you were this voice. What are some of the common like myths or misconceptions that you want to clear up about being bisexual? It's, I know I keep referencing my book, but I don't think I've said the name enough. Boy Slut. Boy Slut. Yeah, and uh, I love that word. And it's just, and you said anyone can be a boy slut. You don't have to be a boy yeah. to be a boy slut. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Genderless term, despite the fact boys in it. It's a state of mind, 100%. This book is fucking awesome. Um, I was just saying before we started recording that I have just been tearing through it. It is highlighted to shit. And, ah! and then in preparation, for this, I was like, it's not enough. Okay, I need to listen to it too. So I also bought the audio version and I just, I fucking love it. I love listening to your voice. You're hilarious and introspective and, you know, just really, it's deep. It's everything we love to talk about on this podcast. Like, we love all the sexy, like, nitty gritty tidbits, like, all kink, that kinky sexy, stories. Kinky shit. And, yeah. And then, yeah. like, all the mental stuff that goes on beyond it. Cause, like, you talk about everything from puking on dicks to therapy and OCD <laughs> and jealousy. It's it's beautiful. We cover a lot of ground. There's a lot of ground <laughs> we cover believe- in this. Absolutely. And it's, it's a quick read, too. I, f- I, feel, so I feel like your book is like the modern up-to-date version of The Ethical Slut when it first came out in the 90s with now just up-to-date with everything. So amen to you bringing this out, and I'm so excited to share Thank it with you. the world. That is so right. Thank oh you my so God. much. Yeah. We were just talking about The Ethical Slut a couple months ago, and we were saying, mm-hmm. like, we feel like it's a little bit – it's like it's like a beginner's version. I'm sure – I'm assuming you've read it, right? Yeah. So. You know, I, I read it probably like a decade ago, so it's a little – 
hazy. I'd do for a reread, but the, the authors even mentioned like some of the stuff is out of date now. Like, totally. like, like I don't, we don't agree with everything that we wrote. Yeah. Uh, but it still is a staple, absolutely, and worth the read for anyone interested. Yeah, and like a, a beginner thing so so that's why i love that like yours it is good for beginners but it's also good for me i've been at this for <laughs> three whole years <laughs> <laughs> but i've been fucking slutty so you know love it like- <laughs> love to hear it anyway okay sorry back to what we were trying to say about boy slut the amazing book mm-hmm. so um the misconceptions of bisexuality it's, you know, I, I think, again, I, we've seen so much more visibility in the past decade. We're seeing so many more people identify as bi or fluid or heteroflexible or whatever than ever before. And, and that's huge. So I think we're actually starting to dispel, like, the younger generation, Gen Z, is so well aware of that, like, the stereotypes about bisexuality aren't true. But you still have kind of the older generation that still kind of believes these stereotypes, especially, like, older gay men. I'll notice that as well. But I think, you know, a few of the biggest stereotypes are number one is that you have to be like 50-50. You have to be like equally attracted to men, equally attracted to women. And like, first of all, that's not inclusive of non-binary people. But like even outside of that, it's like that's not how attraction works. And I know very few people who are 50-50. You know what I mean? And usually like even me, I'm the closest to 50-50 of anyone I've ever met ever. But it's like I still go through waves where I'm more attracted to men or when I'm with a man, I miss being with a woman. When I date a woman, I miss being with a man. I miss not whatever it is. And that's why I'm polyamorous, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Because I because I do miss everyone. Yeah. You want and it all, I do all, need to be baby. sleeping. <laughs> yes, I do. I'm a greedy bisexual. <laughs> but this idea – like this idea like 50 – like it doesn't even make – like how do you quantify attraction? And it's just like – you know, at times you might be more into redheads, at times you might be more into blondes, and you're not like, that doesn't make you any less straight. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it's not that. So that's a, still a big one. I think a, a lot of even like, what even a more interesting question than like misconceptions, in my mind at least, is kind of one thing I see a lot from women now who are in like monogamous relationships with men, and they're very worried about claiming a bisexual label because they're like, okay, I'm I'm married to a man. Uh, maybe they've had same-sex experiences with women. Maybe they haven't. But they're like, is it, you know, if I'm kind of almost claiming my bisexuality, in a way, it's like talking about all these other people I want to sleep with besides my husband. I also know I'm never going to like actually date someone else because I'm very happily in love with my husband. And then there's this fear that they're not like bi enough. And also a lot of this fear comes out of a place of they're not oppressed the same way. Where, you know, if you're a woman in a relationship with a man, you have a lot of privileges, you know, in doing so and straight passing privileges. And you're not as discriminated against as a black trans woman walking down the street. And so this idea of that being like, oh, I deserve to be part of the table. And it's like, no, like, you're right. You, d- you don't experience the same level of discrimination. You do have privileges from being in a relationship with a man. That doesn't make you any less bisexual. And I hope that you use your privileged state to then further help the more marginalized LGBTQ community. But you are you equally deserve to be here. You, you're not any less bi, but it just, yeah, of course you are privileged and recognize it. But it's kind of gotten so sad that like your bisexual identity or your queer identity is validated through the amount of oppression that you've experienced. And that in terms is what's making you queerer or bi enough. And it's like, fuck, that is so sad that that is such a sad sentiment it's like just because you've been a victim of a hate crime your life is harder doesn't make you any queerer you know what i mean so i think that's one thing i really try to advocate for is like encouraging people if they want to you know even if they're in a monogamous relationship to still come out as bi if um even if they haven't slept with someone the same gender still come out as bi whatever it is like you deserve to be a part of this community and you deserve to claim this label if you want because you say also you know a virgin is still straight even if they've never slept with someone (laughs) exactly no one's saying like you know if it's a 20 year old virgin and they're like oh i'm sure well well, no you haven't actually done it so no you're actually uh asexual it's like no no i still have these desires i still have these attractions the same way my person still has these desires and these attractions yeah yeah so how did you overcome we talked about you talked about fear of being bi enough. How did you overcome fears about coming out or any shame that you had growing up? Oof, I mean, that's a, a large question. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. 
I had an, I mean, my book is like dedicated yes. to almost how I over, overcame my sexual shame, right? So it, it's it was a journey. It was definitely not. I woke up one day and I'm like, and I am by and I feel great <laughs> and I'm gonna live this. I was like, no, it was a lot of baby steps. It was a lot of, you know, for like five years I would get blackout to hook up with guys, and I like justified it being like, oh, I was like super drunk. I would never hook up with a guy sober. I never want to date a man. Like, but like I was kind of a mess, you know, for so long and I was able to kind of get into therapy and I actually had a therapist who I specifically after college sought out an LGBTQ therapist and I'd been, yeah, now drunk hooking up with guys for five years. I've been so confused. I think like I'm gay then I think I'm straight. But the thing is, every guy I knew who identified as bi in college came out as gay shortly after. So I'm like, even though I'm egocentric i'm not delusional in my mind i was like i can't be the only bisexual man in existence because i did not know a single other out by man and i'm 24 which is like kind of insane you know what i mean so but i remember like on our first session i went on this whole monologue about how i am confused i think i'm gay i think i'm straight i have this attraction but then i only do it while drunk but i know i love women and i've dated but i've been heartbroken and i cry for months gay men don't do that <laughs> if they get broken up with they're not crying for months over a woman that's none of this works and i like almost started the same exact monologue the second day and the therapist was like zach I, i'd like to be blunt with you because you said please be blunt with you i'm like yes he goes you seem very clearly bisexual is there something i'm missing is there some detail you're not sharing with me? And I quickly responded. I'm like, oh, that shit doesn't exist in men. And he responded, Zach, you're too smart to think that, which was almost like a perfect ego jab as well, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> like like uh, attacking my uh, intellect as well. But like just being told by a medical professional, like you are bisexual. This is valid. Bisexuality is an option. I think for so long, it just didn't seem like it was an option to me. And I think that's still the case to people being like, yeah, like like you can be this. So now that bisexuality is an option, I was like, okay, this actually really fits my attractions to a T. But I'd still at the time thought I was, you know, bi-sexual and hetero-romantic, meaning, you know, I'm sexually attracted in my case to all genders, but I could only like love or be romantically attracted to or date or marry a woman. Mm-hmm. And the the reason for me that was still internalized by phobia. That like even though that is a valid sexual orientation, um, that wasn't mine. It was still, you know, I, I could live a somewhat straight life if I was just bi dash sexual. I could hook up with guys in saunas, but then have my straight privilege essentially elsewhere going out in the world, dating a woman and have that and not make my bisexuality almost a part of my identity. A lot of what you were describing out with a lot of the men in the community, I actually think, and I would never push them on this, that a lot of them would be open to dating men and they're lying to themselves. But that means that you all of a sudden your bisexuality is so salient. It's a part of your identity. It's a part of your culture. It's, it, it changes every aspect about your life. Versus now, if you're bi-sexual and you suck a dick periodically at a private sex club that no one knows about, it doesn't change your life in any meaningful way whatsoever. So for me, I had this fear, like, you know, once I admit I'm bisexual, I am a part of this community. Uh, Like, what does this mean for me? I know my life is going to change. My friend group is going to change. The way my family perceives me is going to change. So it was a huge fear that I had to get over that. Luckily, I kind of had this experience with this man where I almost like had this 24-hour whirlwind falling in love experience in Provincetown, which is this kind of gay beach town mecca on the tip of Cape Cod in Massachusetts. And that turned out very poorly. I'm not going to explain what happened, but at least what I learned from that was like, oh, I have the potential to love a man. And admitting that to myself was really challenging. And that was kind of the final frontier Um for me for embracing my bisexuality. That story is in the book if people want to check it out. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So how did you how did you work through that shame? Like what tools do you recommend to people or just things that they can ask themselves or practices that they can try in order to be more comfortable to if, whether it's bisexuality, pansexuality, non-binary. Yeah, for how anything. How do you come out with um, what you want to be? I think first and foremost what what helps you kind of remove shame or get to a point of shame is you need to find your people. Like, let's talk about celebrating bisexuality and sluttiness. 
like even just if you have sexual shame, not even about bisexuality or same sex attractions, but just you are a woman and you like sleeping with men. A lot of men, you're open about it. And you have friends who give you side eye or you're the weird one of the group or they're subtly shaming you, even though or passive aggressive ways. You're not going to be able to get over your shame. If you surround yourself with people who are shaming you, even inadvertently, even in subtle ways, like the smallest little judgment can really spend send you down a fucking spiral, right? So it's like I surround I like left a lot of my friends. I left a lot of that community. I surround myself with people who I say, oh, I got DP'd and sucked, whatever it is. Like, fuck yeah, that's hot. That's amazing. They are cheering you on. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah, like, and facilitating you, you, it yeah. and getting the and lube out and putting it on joining in. Yeah. yeah. yeah absolutely. <laughs> but like and this is part of the importance of like lifestyle communities and sex positive communities and sex club communities. You know, when people are just like, oh, it's just raunchy people want to have sex. And we're like, no, this really is a community. And that's why we say it. It's because these are our people. We feel love. We feel embraced. So I think finding your community, finding your people is huge. And if that means you have to cut off certain people in your life, then do that. Yeah. Amen amen to that. So I think that's a big one. I think a lot of – a second thing I like to do is when I'm feeling shame, like shame is a very effective tool that people in positions of power use to control people who are not empowered, to control the masses. You know what I mean? Like even like religion uses shame Mm -hmm. so effectively uh, to kind of tether you to this religion, to uh, make you fall in line. You know, men shame women for their slutty behaviors because they want to be tethered to men. They want them to be subservient. They want them to be the only person, whatever it is. So shame is a very effective deterrent. And so often what I like to think is like, who or what is trying to shame me? Because this is not coming from an internal thought belief. You know what I mean? And remembering you're capable of independent critical thought. You know, just because you heard something does not automatically make it true. And so when you're like, okay, this actually does not align with my belief system, but this is coming down from my conservative upbringing. I hear this in the voice of my mom. I actually don't hear it in my voice when I talk about it in my head or I hear about the voice of my pastor. It shows you this is not what you actually think. So I think it's always important to remember who or what is trying to shame you and remembering that exists independently and externally from who you are and what you actually believe. Wow. That is a beautiful thing. And like, those are two great tips, community, and then who is shaming you and who is that voice in your head? Because the yeah. one thing that stood out to me that has got me through my my lifestyle experiences is my family or my friends who I have chose as my family and having them accept me for who I am and support and encourage. I have gotten into way more kinky shit than I would have ever gotten <laughs> into before, like spreading pussies and fisting and all these different scenarios, pegging because they accepted me. So I fully can be a, a representative of that. Having a community is definitely a supportive thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. I just want to, if I may, read from your book. Um, Please. When you talk about shamelessness, it's so beautiful. So to paraphrase what you just said, you know, shame is a tool that people in power use to exert control. When you better understand the root cause of your shame, you'll be able to realize it has nothing to do with you and all to do with some ridiculous societal pressure, which hinder not help. From there, it's much easier to tell your shame to go fuck itself. <laughs> Amen. And then later Amen. on, you say, so shamelessness. I, so I love the word shameless. Um, oh, ooh, yum. So Yeah, it, it, that TV show didn't exist. That was a second option for a title, uh, but ooh. we could not compete. <laughs> we, could not, we could not compete with that uh, very famous TV yeah. show. So we uh, went a different Good route. Okay. <laughs> so many people still think that being shameless is a bad thing. They think it means you have no moral compass or you lack care for others. That's not what it means at all. All it means is being absent of shame because shame doesn't bring anything positive to your life. Only once you've become shameless can you start being truly fulfilled and happy. At the end of the day, that's all I want for myself, all I want for you, and as corny as it may sound, all I want for the world. Mm. Oh my God, that is corny, but it keeps <laughs> exactly. on to it. Oh, yeah, shameless, exactly. baby. Uh-oh. Yeah. 
this you is... know, corny, corny has its place. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, think that, I think that was in the last chapter, right? I think it's that was like, I'm like, wrap, yeah. yeah, it's like, that's what I'm like, okay, I got to wrap this shit up. Yeah. Here. Uh, <laughs> let's bring everything together. Yeah. No, but it's, oh my God. It, but I underlined the shit out of that because it's so true. And it's just like, bring joy to the world. So the family that Elle was just referring to, we call ourselves the joy family because it's basically like oh. we just want to seek joy in everything we do together and it's help whatever each the other fuck brings joy. you joy, just do it, you know? You know, my family, I love that term. You know, we usually say chosen family, but I like family. We we call ourselves home. And this is the idea of like, you know, when we're together, we feel like we're home. We feel safe, we feel accepted, we feel loved. And I think yeah, there's a reason why we call ourselves that, right? You know what I mean? So, yeah, and that's where true authentic self comes out. Yeah. This is actually a great segue into ENM and polyamory. Let's do it. So, you speak about your first experience living with um, a boyfriend who was in a marriage, marriage with a female of eight years. Yeah, almost a decade. Yeah. yeah. And you lived with them for eight months. So you dated him. Yes. They asked you to move in with them. Uh, sorry, I'm telling your life story for you. <laughs> no, please. This is great. Uh, and, you, you read the you, book. I can tell. <laughs> so you were not sexual with her. You were only sexual with him. But it makes me think of, you said your first kind of like, it wasn't even a date. It was like you were um, interviewing him about polyamory and you went over for game night. And it's just like, and it's so interesting that, you know, so many poly families, polycules, joy families, home people, like they have game nights and just like fun, dorky, corny, weird things that just like Poly make people us are the happy. nerdiest. <laughs> They're the nerdiest. I used to think poly people were cool. We're the least cool so people uncool. I think I've ever we are so dorky, dorky. We're so nerdy. We love fantasy. We love sci-fi. Yes. We love board games, and we love kinky sex. So, you know, like there's there's a lot. But oh no, we're we're so nerdy. I think we just go to the extreme of our childhood behaviors of play and sex and just yeah. all the things. Yeah. So so that was kind of your first introduction to polyamory. Is that correct? And correct. so, are you in a relationship now? May I ask? Uh, no, so I have like a more casual partner. She has multiple partners and we just started dating maybe a few months ago, but I don't have a primary at the moment. Do, do you find that it's hard to find people to still accept your bisexuality or do you find that when you engage with gay men, they're still giving you that, you know, the condescending kind of tone that they were giving you in the past? Um, it's so funny. Gay men are also shallow as well, and I'm hot and successful, so they overlook it. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have to not say anything. Um, yeah. So, so that's honestly a part of it. But it, it's so funny. I like I I dated men for so long, obviously still being bi, and then I almost found this bi community. I only had the gay male community, and now I'm in this bi community again. Uh, there are a lot of guys. Like L, like your partner, like your boyfriend, who like okay would hook up with me, but wouldn't want to date me. So recently, I've been dating a lot more women, just because th those are the people I can meet, who I am meeting right now, who are viable to actually date me. And I don't like necessarily online dating, just because I've had so many mediocre first dates where you get mm. there within like two minutes, you're like this isn't gonna work, and you're like fuck, I wasted my whole night, and I like so I like meeting someone in person. Also, if I meet them at a lifestyle party, I know they're accepting. I know they are part of this we have we share this thing in common yeah. at least but no it's now it's so funny for so long i craved this bi community now that i have it i'm like i actually have no gay male friends and that used to be my entire friend group and i'm trying to go to like there's this uh this really fun party called hebrew on christmas eve on the 24th and it's like a gay jewish male circuit party and I'm like, I don't even have a gay friend get you to in. go with anymore. <laughs> so now it's like, I'm like, oh my God, I'm actually missing this side of my identity of my friend group and be like, okay, I have my bi friend groups. I need to go back and start making some gay, gay male friends too. But sometimes it's like, you know, our lives are very like, they like doing their gay male things. They don't necessarily love coming to buy events. Some do, more do. And those are great. And those are the men that I would end up dating. I could never date a guy who's like, I don't want to go to a you know, mixed gender sex party or doesn't like hanging out with women like that, that, that would not be a gay man that I date. So I definitely do have a smaller dating pool, just given my proclivities, given what I want out of a man, when I need to have a woman, given my 
thing like you know it's also like i write such graphically about um my sex life so you have to be someone who's comfortable with that so like uh i do have a somewhat smaller dating pool for sure but that's why i live in new york you know there's still a bunch of bi poly kinky people here so it's so if i lived anywhere else it'd be a lot more challenging yeah we just had a bunch of Joy family people come up this past weekend, and it was just so amazing. We like went to NSFW, and some of them hadn't even been to a sex club before. And it, it, it's just New York is uh, they're so incredible. Well, speaking of the variety that you can get in New York, I know that our friend Jess was reaching out to you, Zach, that night and invited you to NSFW, but you had said, oh, I can't make it. I'm going to a party at Inferno for a transgender party. I was wondering if you could share a little bit about that. Sure. So Inferno, I've been to Inferno parties pre-COVID and usually they're gay male parties. Actually, the one I went to was it was a 420 party on Passover, and they actually had a rabbi there, a real gay rabbi, as people were just like getting fucked as the rabbi's doing this blessing on the studio. <laughs> it was that's amazing. I, I, wrote, yes. I, I, I need to find I wrote about that piece. I had a small like cannabis, the queer cannabis column for a while as when I was a big stoner. Uh, I have to find where that piece was published. But like that that was pretty wild. But anyway. You know, when they talk about trans inferno, so that's their trans centered party. So obviously, like cis people are allowed, but the focus is on trans people and non binary people and gender non conforming people and a space for them to explore safely. And so, yeah, as someone who is bisexual, attracted to all genders, I, I went and I had um, a blast. Can you tell Ooh. us any dirty details? <laughs> it was, I mean, honestly, I actually left a little bit early because I was tired, which is <laughs> unlike me. I stayed up late the night before. So was, this one was more me putting my feet in the water, and the next time I'll get to have uh, some more romshi. Sometimes you have to, yeah, fi- figure out like the space and figure out the party the first time around, and then the next time you know exactly what to expect and yeah, dive exactly. in, dive in. <laughs> Pun intended. <laughs> so. On that note, I'd love to talk about some sexy stories and catering to our audience. Can you tell us some really sexy like threesomes that you've had or more sums with females and bi males included? Sure. So I should also add that I have a zine called Boy Slut, which is either great branding or very confusing. Uh, <laughs> unclear. Unclear. I hope it is great branding and people uh, sometimes get confused between the two. I'm like, shit, maybe I should have done this differently. But what that is, is it publishes nonfiction erotica. So real sex stories that happened that to me, I read the majority of them, but I at least have one or two like yes pieces a month. So someone else sharing their real sex story too and it's it's not just like smutty and raunchy it's definitely that but i like that all these stories you kind of learn something about yourself through it it has a positive message it speaks to the intersection of you know sex and tech or sex and dating whatever it is so there's something always a little bit greater in the narrative arc than just raunchy sex but the sex is extremely extremely raunchy but anyway, <laughs> you should check out, like, if you want to hear my sex stories, like, check out the voice slut zine, because I have literally hundreds yeah. uh, <laughs> on there yeah. of wild stories. I'm trying to think, like, oh, I was just at, okay, so I was at Hedonism for uh, specifically this um, bisexual takeover there. And that was just, like... Uh, like it, it, just everywhere you want, like it was so fucking bisexual. I, I actually think this was the most like bisex I'd ever saw in a fucking space beyond the one party that I throw called Bi Slut, which also has a shit ton of bisexual sex. But this is probably the other place that it happened. And I think, you know, uh, I, I write about, I actually wrote a couple articles about this, but like they have this like next to the pool. They always have like a naked pool time every day. That's when everyone's lit and drunk and having fun. And there's kind of like the sex shack, like right next to yes, the pool. Yeah, right before the bathroom. <laughs> so you can just like hop out, go fuck, then go back in the pool. And the pool is disgusting. You wash yourself out. <laughs> you're, you're gonna <laughs> do not do not open your mouth yeah. under the water. Do no, not never. No. wash yourself up. It's there's like this shit. Like I see like on the sides of the pool, like this. I, I don't want to discuss it. <laughs> yeah. Like but the foam anyway. that kind of collects yep, with yeah. like exactly. all the sunscreen yeah. that's come off of people's bodies. Yep, it's like sunscreen and like cum and lube <laughs> yeah. because and people still didn't wash yeah. off. But anyway, so I was flirting with this woman who maybe in her late 50s, gorgeous woman, 
And she had this like deep, sultry, sexy voice. And I couldn't necessarily read her, but finally I'm like, do you want to go fuck? And she's like, yes, let's go fuck. And then on the way to this hut, her husband's like, oh, uh, can I join? She's like, yeah, of course. And then two of her friends, you know, a guy and a girl, you know, everyone's in their 50s. They'd be like, oh, can we join? I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, I don't even know who the fuck any of these people were. But so (laughs) by the time we go back to it and the person I was there was, she came too. So it ended up being like the six or seven some. I think there was yeah another person at some point. So somehow seven of us. And it was just one of those things where just like, you don't even know whose limbs they yes. are. Where it's just like, his like, dick is in my mouth. Like, okay, <laughs> yeah, his dick is in my mouth. There's like yeah, titties on my face, dick in my mouth. Someone sucking me off. I have no idea who. I feel a finger in my asshole. Maybe a dick in my asshole. Okay, someone's vagina is sitting on my dick. It was just like you can't even see what the fuck. It's just like a blur vision of limbs. And it was one of those experiences, and I just loved it too, because like. I'm someone who's always like the more the merrier, you know, for the most part. So you know, I know other people would be like, oh my God, like, well, I, what if I didn't feel comfortable, you know, inviting those other people into it? I luckily I do feel comfortable. And it was like, for me, it's like, well, I didn't do any work. You know, I, I just did the work with one person and she set up this seven sub just by walking them <laughs> seeing us, you know, me walk out and her walk out naked. And everyone's like, all right, we're joining. I'm like, yes. So that was just a fun. Uh, like a fun, I don't want to say unexpected. I mean, I was at this sex resort, so very expected, but Those, uh, maybe I'll say it's serendipitous yes. <laughs> uh, sexual experience that was fun. So once you've had those experiences and you are bisexual, like that's the fucking holy grail, right? So you want more of those experiences where it can all be fluid. You can have all of them in one space and it's so hot, Right. Yeah. So then what if you meet a couple and you're like really vibing with the chick and then her dude is like, no, I'm straight. I don't want to touch you, but like we still want to have a threesome, but like don't touch me. Like, does that turn you off? Do you not want to be part of that threesome anymore? Or I, I, I used to do a bunch of those and I don't enjoy them that much. But if she's super fucking hot, I'm like, okay, if this is what it takes for me to have sex with you as your boyfriend's or husband's there as well, fine. It's worth it for me in that situation. But it's just like, yeah, it's not as fun. Yeah. I don't enjoy it the same way. And also it's just like, okay, like, can we deep? Like, I feel like they're like sometimes some awkward moments mm. or just like your faces are right next to each other, but you can't kiss. Mm-hmm. And so like, I-, I haven't done like an, the difference. Okay. So MMF means like a- a- the guys are bisexual and playing with each other. That's why the M's are together versus MFM is, you know, a straight threesome where the guys are not playing and the focus is more on the woman. And well, I love focusing on the woman. That's not the issue I have. Again, I just feel like there's some awkward tension. Often they don't want to play with me. They get a little bit nervous because I'm bi mm-hmm. and they're assuming I'm going to do so. I'm going to pounce on them. Like, Dude, I, I'm not going to yeah. fucking do anything to you. Like, um, <laughs> or up, they're afraid but, your dicks are going to touch and that's it. They're gay after yeah, that. Like, it's, just, it, it's just not. I mean, I'm in my head for it more. I don't enjoy yeah. it more. There's missed opportunities. Mm-hmm. So I usually steer clear. Yeah, from I, I totally agree with you on that. It's like holding yourself back in a way that you don't want to. And it's just limiting your ability to have that sexual fun. And the one thing I, yeah. I like playing with bi females, I really like a woman who, and I don't know the word, how to put this uh, in a right way, but like bi females are very into women. You can tell that they're not just being performative. And it, I have a hard time playing with performative women and it's a turnoff for me. And so I feel like yeah, it's same no thing. fun. Or similar yeah, thing. Yeah. No fun to be performative. Have you ever come across a guy that's been performative in the bi space? Um, Yeah. I, I think I, that doesn't bother me as much because it's kind of like, it, it happens so seldomly, you know, most guys are not necessarily like hooking up with men to turn on their female partner. Some guys do. And honestly, I'm like more power to you. I, I think because it's few and far between, usually it can be a little frustrating because they might only want to make out or I can only blow them. So there's only so much we can do. I'm like, all right, we're just getting started yeah. here. And now we have to stop because you're not actually by or into men. But yeah, you, you see it seldomly, but it does exist. Yeah. So we're talking about like boundaries that other people might have in a threesome. Do you have any that you abide by that you would share with us? Um, I mean, not really. I mean, often what it is, and I like dating people who also are just like fucking game for everything. Mm. So that way it's not one of those things where, you know, I've dated people maybe new to polyamory or bisexuality and they only feel comfortable with doing X, Y, Z. And I'm very accommodating of that. 
I, I no longer want to deal with that. I'm, I'm sorry, that, that's the truth of it. I've been out as bi for a long time. I've been out as poly for a long time. I need someone who's comfortable and clear. And, and just like, I, I don't want to have to limit myself anymore because I was limiting myself a lot for my partners and that I do not enjoy. So now I'm finding people who are as sexually adventurous as me or sexually open as me. So that way we don't, when we're playing with a third, have to, we, I can just be fully present in the moment and not worry that they're jealous or upset or their boundaries are being crossed or my boundaries are being crossed. Yes. So, and those people are harder to find. You know, most people do get jealous, even polyamorous people. Most people do have boundaries. Boundaries are good. Boundaries are healthy. I advocate for them. You know what I mean? Take what you need to take, do what you need to do. But as someone who who is so comfortable in a sense, it is so game and wants to explore. I want someone who has an equal desire to explore as me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen to that. That, yeah, that reminds me of a conversation that um, we've had in the past on a past episode about when we meet couples at these lifestyle resorts who maybe they only do soft swap or something like that. It's like, I- I'm past that. Like, yeah. I-, I respect where yeah. you're at, but I'm just, exactly. I'm just yeah. not there it's, anymore. I- I'm super excited. I'm going to this event and they're like so kind of cagey about talking about it out loud but then they want me to sometimes write about it so i I think it's okay in this context but it's called bff it stands for bisexual fuck fest and it's a a lifestyle party in a palm springs that i'm going that's twice a year i'm going to the one next month and we decided to bring this person who i started dating a couple months ago three months ago because she is sluttier and hornier than i am (laughs) like is she sluttier and hornier than i am everything i do turns her on Oh, I sucked a dick. I sent her the video. She loves it. She loves this. And, and like, so I'm like, you are the perfect person to bring to this event. And I finally found, you know, I don't even want to say I've met my match. I think I found someone that surpasses me. <laughs> and I'm like, what? I'm like, this is freaking fabulous. So I'm really excited to bring her on this. Um, yeah, because I know, or I have a strong feeling, you know, we'll see, but I have a strong feeling that like, oh, we're just going to be going balls oh, to the yeah. walls. So you're you're going to really run the time. place. You're going to run house. You're oh, going to yeah. be voted best couple. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fingers crossed here. And I love that you say that just like being your full self, not having to think about it so much, not having to be in your head. There's nothing, there's no blocks. So mental blocks. So just to wrap all this up, we've appreciated your time so much. This is so fucking awesome. I could talk to you about this forever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Any parting words that you would love to leave our listeners with or anything you wanted to? How do we all channel our inner boy slut and keep that flame fire, you know, burning hot all the time? (laughs) Uh, First comes, uh, first things first, buy a copy of my book. Uh, That that is, yeah, I I gotta do some shameless plugs. plugs. It's worth noting. And so boycott is one word and that's on purpose. Uh, Amazon will ding you if you have like a curse word in it. Uh, So slut is a curse word and even ethical slut. Maybe now it's like so far up there, but it still can sometimes get buried. But I realized from Carly's book, Slut Ever, and she writes the sex column at Vogue. I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce her last name. I've never heard it said that. It's like Scorantino, something like that. Like her book is called Slut Ever. And I realized her book was not dinged. Uh, so we have boy slut as a one word because people are like, I can't find your book. I'm like, yeah, it's because we, the world still sucks and <laughs> slut's a bad yeah. word and sex negativity. Yeah. So boy slut, one word. I always have to remind people that. But um, beyond that, like, you know, I, I think it's one of those things where they also cut yourself some slack if you're not where you want to be. I think for me, a lot of the shame I had was almost you feel shame for having shame. Mm. And that compounds the shame mm-hmm. where it's just like, oh, I, I, like, I should be more open about my sexuality. I know logically that I shouldn't feel shame for this, but I still am. And then you kind of dig yourself deeper into this hole. So like, and that was something I struggled with. So it's like, yes, like acknowledge, okay, maybe I shouldn't be, ha- it's not I shouldn't be having these thoughts. Your thoughts are your thoughts, but maybe I shouldn't feel shame for these thoughts. But like, cut yourself some slack. You'll get to where you need to be. There really isn't a rush, you know, like, and if you can enjoy the journey a little bit more and give yourself, yeah, yeah cut yourself some yeah, slack, I think amen. is what I'll, what I'll share. Oh, and if you do feel comfortable sharing, I love what you said. Like when you tell people that you are bisexual, it, you, it almost gives them permission to just like. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. It, it's I'm so vocal, bisexual audibility about my bisexuality and 
And doing so and talking to other people, number one, it validates me. And it was very important when I first came out as bi to hear all these other people come out as bi. I thought no one else was bi. I thought I was the only bi guy in the world. (laughs) Then all of a sudden, I'm talking about it and everyone else starts talking about it. So it was very validating for me. And again, of course, I've also received flack and biphobia and people say it's disgusting, it's gross, fuck you, whatever. Women who wanted to sleep with me, I say I'm bi, being like, oh, that's gross. Yeah. Uh, I don't I don't fuck with men who fuck with men. Oh, uh, yeah. And I'm like, okay. See you later. So then like, you yeah, are so not I'm my not, people. Exactly. Yeah, so I'm not going to pretend like every time it's going to be a walk in the park, you're going to experience some shit. But uh, for the most part, it has been overwhelmingly positive. And so not only is it helpful for yourself, but also, yeah, you're kind of doing a mitzvah. You're allowing this person who doesn't usually feel comfortable to discuss their bisexuality to do so with you. Mm. And that's kind of a blessing. You're doing a nice thing for them as well. Yeah. Uh, Thank you for writing this book. I mean, and sharing your story coming out as bisexual, you really talk about it in such a sex positive way. And it's like, you know, showing other people that you can do this too. And so thank you because it's helping us all live happier, healthier lives without all that shame and stigma that we have been so ingrained to yeah. yeah. So thank you so <laughs> Absolutely. much. Absolutely. <laughs> of course. And before we let you go, where can our listeners find you? Instagram's kind of the best place. Uh, Zachary Zane underscore underscore at the end. My website, ZacharyZane.com. If you type in Boy Slut or Zachary Zane, I am very Googleable, so you'll find everything you need to know. But uh, yeah, follow me on social, buy my book, and I usually respond to pretty much all messages yeah. so um, and check out his uh, digital zine so you can hear all his oh, yeah. dirty very raunchy dirty very stories <laughs> you're such a great writer i have enjoyed so every much. second you know reading it and i can't <laughs> wait to read the zine thank you, <laughs> yes oh awesome. my god all right well thank you so much we'll catch you all on the next episode have a good day. yeah take care